Hello and welcome to We're Watching What? I'm your host Dana, or the DHKs I'm known, and four things up for review this week. First up, there's a new film called Fair Place, starring Phoebe Dynavor and Alden Ehrenreich. Then there's Totally Killer, which is a Halloween-appropriate then in time for spooky season, there's Totally Killer. Then there's a new documentary called Mr. Organ. And then finally, season two of Loki. First up is a film called Fair Play. And conceptually, I thought the idea was pretty good. In execution, it didn't quite get there for me. The idea behind it is that this couple is working at an investment firm or a hedge fund or something very Wall Street-y. And, you know, they're at the same level to start. But what happens when one of them rises through the ranks and the other does not and the impact that has on their work relationship and their home dynamic and you know it feels very inspired by 80s erotic thrillers and even 90s erotic thrillers but there's a sort of genders but the twist is that the woman is in the position of power and ooh, how liberated and all that stuff and you know again I think it's worth exploring especially with you know bro culture and having to fit in and there were a lot of moments that I could see and relate to and micro moments that worked but overall I felt like one, nobody talked like they do in real life. You know, I've not worked at a Wall Street fund or a hedge fund or whatever the hell it is, but I don't think people talk like that to each other, you know, even in the most annoying professional situations. Phoebe Dynavor, I think I'm saying that right, from Bridgerton, plays the woman in the couple. Alden Ehrenreich plays the guy. And my other big challenge with the two of them is that they didn't feel like they had a modicum of sexual chemistry or romantic chemistry or anything like that. And a movie like this so aggressively hinges on understanding like why they are together in the first place to watch them unravel and have their be stakes aside from like you're telling us they're a couple and therefore we should care that they unravel but quite frankly I was just like I uh, whatever I don't care what happens to either of you you've also got Eddie Marson and Rich Summer in supporting roles but pretty much it comes down to the two of them and so if they can't carry that part of it then you are really in a tough position. And I, you know, there are parts of it, like I said, that I really liked. And, and I think the ending of it kind of helped save it for me. But overall, you know, I just feel like it knew what it wanted to try and accomplish, but wasn't capable of getting there. And again, it's not to knock their, they're not like bad in a film, but they don't have the chemistry together. And that I, I talk, we talk about this constantly in roundtable episodes, but you know, if that's not there, it doesn't work, especially with something, you know, <laughs> some of the sex stuff is just not that, you know, not to kink, there's not even kinky stuff in it, but it's just, who talks to each other like that? It's, I, I just, I could not, the way it was delivered for me was just, I, I, you know, not for me. Again, I really wish this had been a better film because if most of the plot elements had stayed in place, but the performances had been swapped out for like different folks or just, I, you know, some, some extra special sauce or another pass at the dialogue actually, I think would have helped. Then I think we would have had something actually like pretty classic on our hands. But unfortunately, because it is sort of a shadow of some of the stronger things in the genre and the strongest thing it has going for it is that it has, you know, a female lead in the position of power effectively. It's not enough to make a film. I think there are going to be a lot of people who like it and no, you know, shade to you. It's not a bad movie like it's not terrible but I think because it had so much potential you look at it and also how it's being positioned where it's like oh they're trying to get awards for them like that always adds a little bit of a, a, a cloud over it for me but you know I don't think this was the best version of this we could have seen which is kind of frustrating so overall I'm gonna give it a three out of five I'm gonna take a quick break and be right back and I'm back the next thing I have is a film called Totally Killer, and it's out on Amazon Prime. And again, much like Fair Play, this one is a clear homage, just straight up entry into slasher horror. You know, it's it's Halloween-esque stuff. And I, 
I am not the target audience for this, I will say right off the bat, because I have never seen Halloween because I'm a scaredy cat. I don't like scary movies. But this didn't look that scary. It looked like it was trying to be a comedy. So I said, okay, let me give it a shot because I really like the director who is an Anchaka Khan. But unfortunately, this just, again, didn't gel for me. Because they even call out the primary problem with it in the script. And I'm just like, okay, you know what the problem is here. And you didn't compensate enough for it to solve for it. So again, it is basically like a Halloween-esque movie. You're set in a small town, lots of horrible murders. Kiernan Shipka plays the protagonist in it. Uh, Her mother is played by Julie Bowen, who was, you know, around at the time of all the murders and stuff like that. And then the return of this sweet 16 killer happens. And then this is where it gets weird. And this is not a spoiler because this is up front, but... So Kiernan Shipka, therefore, time travels back to the 80s in order to stop the killings from happening. And I'm just like, okay, big Back to the Future fan here. I'm willing to go along with this for a little bit. They reference Back to the Future repeatedly in this. I said, okay, that's fine. There is a line in it where a character explicitly says they hate time travel movies because they never make sense. And I have the same problem. I am very, like, it's just a bee in my bonnet oftentimes about time travel movies. And I know there are, there are plenty of them where you can just suspend your disbelief and you just go, okay, you know what? That's fine. We'll play by the rules that your universe has established. This one is all over the place in terms of that logic. And for me, I could not get past it. And that was frustrating. Also, not just that part of it as the like super nerdy, you know, sci-fi person. This movie was not scary. Like I said, uh, you know, I'm someone who could not watch Halloween because I am too terrified of even like the trailers to watch it. It's not succeeding, maybe intentionally, at scary. It's not trying to be hard sci-fi. The other thing it is trying to be, though, is a comedy. I didn't really laugh at this movie. There are a lot of references that I completely understood, you know, to certain 80s things, and they keep pointing out how problematic the 80s were, but I don't feel like they were willing to actually lean into how aggressively problematic the time was, especially for, like, a modern young woman going back then, you know. It felt like a very sort of sanitized version of it, but the film has no problem with, you know, blood, guts, gore, and violence, so it's like, it's, you know, if you're gonna go and try and be extreme and try to be, you know, effectively subversive, commit to it because as a byproduct of it you know you have this r-rated film which i don't care about ratings but you know if you were like a young kid or whatever don't show them this but you know if you're going to embrace the maturity then trust that your audience is capable of handling and seeing the irony of this character you know the the, i was gonna say atrocities but yeah some of the 80s are atrocities uh but you know that this character if they a modern character experience you know life in the 80s and is not used to how like things at least have progressed somewhat in a lot of fronts it should be more problematic to the character but they just they they sort of address it and then they keep moving on and i think just the sweeping it under the rug or just saying like "Eh, we know constantly trying to be like wink wink nudge nudge we know there are problems with this but there's nothing so compelling about it that you're like i'm willing to overlook it like fair play you know if it they'd been like a steamy sexy couple you'd be like yeah okay i don't care i'm willing to overlook it because these are two beautiful people doing the nasty this one you'd be like if this was funny i'm willing to overlook it if this was scary i'm willing to overlook it any of the above you know you'd be willing to overlook if it was brilliant time travel sci-fi you'd be willing to overlook it none of those things
none of those things. You know, again, I acknowledge that there are probably, there were a lot of moments where I was like, I think this is probably like a reference or a cameo or whatever it is, you know, various moments that I missed out on because I don't have that horror knowledge base. You know, I'm familiar with the idea of Halloween and like the vague character you know, but but there were some moments I was like okay hardcore horror fans maybe it'll scratch enough of the itch of you know the core elements being there but it doesn't go above and beyond it and it doesn't add anything new even though it's trying to be sort of different than other films in the genre so kind of a bummer to watch and really it's just a slog to get through honestly I'm gonna give it a 2.5 out of 5 and I feel like that might be being generous the good news is the next thing I have I'm actually excited to talk about and it has been few and far between these days for that type of film but it's a documentary called Mr. Organ and it's from a journalist slash documentarian called David Ferrier. I saw his first film Tickled uh, however many years ago it was at Sundance and then it uh, you know that word of mouth got to me and I was like this is so unhinged and absurd. This film Mr. Organ tops that film. It's very hard to describe but basically It started out as this, you know, sort of report article, whatever, on this guy who was, it takes place in New Zealand, this man who was, you know, in charge of a private parking lot. And when people would park there late at night or, you know, past the times, he would put a a clamp on their tires and then, you know, basically extort them for a ridiculous amount of money to be able to move their cars again, right? That's annoying, very annoying on its own. Where this film goes from there you you couldn't predict it you couldn't do it and it's it's basically like a descent into madness and i felt like this movie does an excellent job of instilling in me as an audience member what i can only assume the sort of mania uh the documentarian was feeling at the time tenfold you know a hundredfold whatever it may be which makes for a very uncomfortable viewing experience the guy michael organ is his name he's the subject he is just uh, you one of a kind, well, the scary thing is probably not one of a kind, but, you know, he just lives on his own plane of existence, and we are just sometimes sucked into his orbit, we being the royal, we, I don't know. But either way, it was fascinating to watch. The story itself, again, because it was unexpected, and you don't know where you're going to go when you set out to make a doc, I think since Tickled ended up being, and also Tickled had some absolutely bonkers things that happened after the release of it that end up making their way into the story, but... Either way, Tickled is a little more satisfying structurally, um, you know, in terms of classic story structure. Uh, Mr. Organ is just like an exercise in experiencing futility and frustration, but in a very well-crafted way. So if you feel in, you know, a safe mental space in order to be able to watch a film like that, I recommend checking it out just to see that, you know, that a person like this exists is, well, actually, it's, I'm going to cite myself here. I ended up talking to the documentarian about it, and it's it's almost a Trump-esque quality that this character has in terms of just, like, anything you tell them, they they have an answer for that, you know, they'll just wear you down. And so if you're, but it, if not, it was not as triggering as that would be, but it is, it is a, you know, it was like four years rolled into one is what I will say. So overall, I, I really, I mean, en- I don't know if enjoyed is the right word, but respected the hell out of the movie. So I'm going to give it a 4.6 out of 5. And the last thing I have this week is The Return of Loki. This is Marvel's very first second season of a show. Uh, Star Wars shows have had multiple seasons, but this is the first Marvel show to get a second season. And I've seen two thirds of it at this point. And I will 
admit that I was not happy that the first Loki show was coming out. I was very done with the character. I still actually kind of stand by that. I liked seeing the variants. I liked sort of the idea of the time variants authority. But I think the big problem with the first season for me is that it's just constant exposition and soliloquies. And character, like, you know, spoilers for the first season. Uh, but if you're listening to this and you're going to watch it, you know, I'm assuming after this is why this is the last, you know, review of this. This is why this is the last review of this segment. But uh, so spoilers for season one of Loki. You know, this is where they introduce Kang, which at the time was very exciting because we thought it was going to be this whole big. And it is you know, woven into the fabric of the next phase of the MCU, for better or for worse, because, you know, Google whatever's going on with Jonathan Majors. But also just in terms of the character of Kang. I didn't expect him to be like a monologuist, you know, and I think the problem with Loki season one is every episode felt like a lot of monologues, a lot of like, hey, we're going to explain time travel. And this goes back to something like Totally Killer. Very hard to do, right? Totally Killer. There are actually very like similar parallel moments in uh, a couple episodes of Loki to some of Totally Killer. Both are problematic, but at least Loki establishes itself in a way that it was just like, okay, You're also calling out the strangeness of this, but you are just keeping to your rules and moving along. And you're not treading into territory that raises way too many questions than you would be able to answer in a two-hour movie or, you know, a six-hour series, whatever it may be. So I will admit that season two of Loki so far has been a much smoother experience for me. You know, I'm still... I don't need the character of this Loki. I thought his arc was complete. I do like Sylvie, the female version of Loki. The additions of the new characters in this season, I think, are really what got me, actually. So Ki Hui Kwan joins, who I absolutely adore and love in everything. Um, He works at the TVA, and he's this sort of repair mechanic guy. And I think he's just wonderful and brings, like, a joy to it. And he also has to deliver absolute gobbledygook, but does it pretty impressively. And then Raphael Cassell, who's an actor I also really admire, he is one of the hunters. And and so, you know, it's just about the fallout of what has happened in the last, it picks up right where season one left off. Now, the good and bad thing about this is this season, even more so than the first one, which, you know, gave us Kang, it feels like it's going to matter in the next phase. And aside from WandaVision, I don't feel like the shows have mattered to this point. So for better or for worse, it's the sort of catch way too of like, great, this kind of means I have to watch it. But if I don't enjoy where it's going, then I, you know, it's frustrating. But I overall have actually enjoyed season two of Loki much more than I enjoy season one. So that returns starting weekly. And, you know, if you were already a Marvel fan, like I said, it's always a bye week. Uh, when it's Marvel week, you were already going to watch it. If you were not, I don't think this is obviously where you can start. But just I I will say I have enjoyed season two of Loki more than I enjoyed season one. And I'm excited to see where it goes. That has been it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, we would love it if you could leave us a five star rating, a review or even consider subscribing.